A Platoon of Misery is presented by Eric Hooks. Ladies on the Shore She's sweet. There's nectar dripping from her lips and I'm the happiest bumblebee in the Northern Hemisphere. Our blanket is laid out on the beach at one of the hottest places you can hunt for sea trout, but I don't give a damn. We've known each other for some years, but this is our first real date. My espresso pot is at hand, together with the best chocolate I could find in town. The sea in front of us is a giant mirror reflecting the purple sky. Far out there are waves so small that it looks like a cat has been carefully stepping across the water. We're sitting close to each other, talking a lot and kissing a bit. In the middle of a kiss, something caught my eye. Fifty yards from us, there's a slow movement in the water. A pretty big dorsal fin breaks the surface. My lips point one way and my eyes in another. Then it happens again, but this time it shows a broad back too. I can't help it. I have to stop kissing. What happened? she said, and she looks at me with her big blue eyes. Sorry, honey, I'm pretty distracted. I point in the direction of the rings in the water. The fish, it's huge. It shows itself again and makes her smile. She knows me, knows that I would let nearly every woman in the world down for the chance of catching a trout like that. Then she does what she does best. The sound of her laughter tingles like delicate little bells over the water. The next evening, I'm on a new date, on another beach, with a different woman. Well, it's a date, but the purpose is kind of different. The biologist is a fish farm manager, or rather, the fish farm manager. Every autumn, she and her team electrofishes for sea trout on honeymoon in the rivers and streams. They gently empty them for eggs and semen and let them back into their home waters. The fish farm is an incubator for trout. After two years in the safe haven, the smolt are returned to the waters of their parents. The biologist releases half a million of them every year. Talk about a good reason for a large fan base amongst fishermen. Rumour has it that the biologist has picked up a fishing rod for the first time. That's why I have asked her out. You have to give all the support you can to the mother of all trout, Thing is, it turns out that the biologist is a trout virgin. She had never caught one over the legal limit. Our mission is simple. Tonight, she's going to lose her virginity. We go through the usual ritual, coffee on the beach, while we wait for the sun to set and for the trout to arrive. The tidal current is right at our feet. Six feet from us, there's a small boil. After several small boils, a smolt jumps out of the water. The biologist beams. It knows it that mother's here. 
Standing in the current, we realise that the codfish are back. They disappeared nearly three years ago in a very warm summer. They are small ones, but the numbers are impressive and promising for the future. In my mind, I'm creating several different plates with cod. The imaginary scent of mustard sauce and ceviche is blown away by the sound of the biologist's screaming reel and her pretty rational question, what do I do now? She doesn't sound desperate or in any kind of panic. It's more like a problem that she has to solve. I reel in my loose line and start giving her directions. She's a natural talent and the fat trout ends up in my net without any kind of trouble. It's dark with no moon but nobody in a considerable range can doubt that there are two people celebrating. We scream, shout, give a high five, and it ends up in a big hug. On the beach, the fish is measured at 20 inches. Her virginity is lost for sure. The biologist examines the trout, not in the way an average fisherman would do it, but carefully, like a doctor. Her fingers search for the pectoral fins. It's a wild specimen, she pinpoints. The fins are straight. In the fish farm, they tend to fight, and that gives them a small but distinctive curve on the pectoral fins. We drink more coffee and lower our teeth into those really yummy cakes the biologist has brought with her before we enter the water again. When you are surrounded by the dark velvet under a carpet of stars, it works like a confessional. We talk about work, kids, disastrous divorces, and of course, fishing. The conversation is brought to a sudden stop when my float shrimp fly is attacked by a strong trout. It only lasts a few seconds, and I know that the hook is not properly set all the signs are there. The fish goes straight to the surface and whips the water to foam, and then it's gone. I've been there before, and I take it pretty easy, but only for 10 minutes, and then the biologist's rod starts bending in a very serious way. Her reel sounds like it's being tortured, accompanied by some heavy splashes. When I turn on my headlamp, I recognise that if the first one took her virginity, this one will turn the biologist into a full-blooded fisherwoman. The fight is soon over, followed by more cheers and high fives. We wade to the shore and I measure the trout. 24 inches of the finest silver is being checked by the happy biologist. It's one of mine, she says with a smile, that covers most of her face. And so it is. The pectoral fins have got the small curve. She produces a knife and starts to cleanse the fish. The biologist turns into the scientist she is and places the shrimps from the trout's tummy side by side on parade. Soon after, we pick up our gear. The morning's first light starts to glow. As we walk to the cars, she asks how the fish should be prepared. The biologist works with fish every day, 
but she has never before eaten her own catch. And the lady with the tingling laughter, she's a keeper. The Platoon of Misery is read by Patrick Johnson, written and produced by Sons Garvey.